mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Philip, a Man for Ministry. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to turn to Acts chapter 6 tonight, read a few verses, and these can continue to pray. We're just going to get right into the Word and preach a little while, try not to be too long. In Acts chapter 6, if you're there, say amen. The Bible said in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I want you to notice tonight that it says that they chose out seven men, and it lists their names. And of course, Stephen says, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen's very recognizable. He was the first martyr of the church. But I want you to notice then it says and Philip. That's all it says. And Philip. I told you this morning, I want to preach tonight about a man that I think if we follow his life through, we're going to see a great progression, growth, and a walk and a work with God that's paramount. And I even made a statement, he's a man I'd like to pattern my life after in in a sense. Of course, Jesus is the one that we pattern after. But can I just take a few minutes tonight and preach on the topic of Philip, a man for ministry. Can I preach that a while tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the ministry tonight, for the worship, for the presence of God. You have done exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think already tonight. Lord, speak to us. Speak to me and through me to this congregation, to your people, that we might draw close to God and we'll give you praise. And the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Now I want you to notice that something had taken place. There was 
growth in the church, not only was it number growth, but these converts had became disciples, which means they became followers, students, learners of the Word and of the doctrines, and they were growing in the things of God. And the Bible even said the number of the disciples was multiplied, multiplied. And then there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. And if you'll remember this morning, I talked about the problem of division, separation in the body. And anytime there's success in ministry or in serving God, there's always going to arise struggles and problems to deal with. And I guess you could call it growing pains are going to happen. Things are going to happen. Let me tell you something. The closer you get to God, the more the enemy's going to try to resist you. The old time preachers used to say, when you go to new levels, you always find new devils. Amen? New battles, new attacks, new struggles that you hadn't imagined. And I uh, don't want to be negative here, but I just want to be honest with you. So, we need always to understand that there's always a need, and if there's a need, then there's opportunities for people to rise in the ranks of the church with a heart for ministry, people who want to do something for God. The Bible said that it's an honorable thing even to desire the office of a bishop. A bishop's more than a preacher. A bishop is an overseer. A bishop is one that that could be in, in a position of apostolic authority. And it said it's an honorable thing to desire that. Not just the authority, but the responsibility of it. Wanting to do something for God. Do I have anybody in the house that wants to do something for God? And stay with me just for a few moments. So I started looking at this and I thought about Philip. He was a man that, that rose to such an occasion. According to verse 3 and the qualifications they set for choose out seven men. Uh, it says that uh, that are of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and, and wisdom. So apparently, Brother Tom uh, Philip met this criteria, and he was one that the people selected and felt that he could be trusted with the work. Not only him, but all the others, Stephen included. Now, most of us recognize Stephen. As the example to be followed, Stephen was specifically named as being chosen as a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that he, in verse 7, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And Stephen was an awesome man, but he became the church's first martyr, the early church's first martyr. In Acts 7 and 58, uh, through 60, it says they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the uh, witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. By the way, whose name was Saul, who would get converted a little later on the road to Damascus and become the Apostle Paul. And it said they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. He was calling upon God. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, and the Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep or he died. Stephen earned his place among the early church heroes. And as I said, he was the, 
the first martyr, and he was a man selected, but how many knows his ministry was short-lived? It was a brief flash in the pan, if you would. He, he didn't last long in his ministry, but of course it still lives on and speaks to us today. So, verse 5 then, after this glowing introduction of Stephen, it just says, and Philip. Now I want to talk about Philip. You see, I believe that Philip is a man of great value to us as modern-day believers. Why would I say that? Well, uh, this is the day, I think, when God is searching in the church. And, he's, and the church needs faithful men and women who will go the distance, who will make the difference, who will rise from meager beginnings of obscurity into something Stephen, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. Amen. Not much said about it. But oh, it says more as we go on. Can you say amen? So God's looking for somebody who's willing to progress in the work of God. Now, there's a progression that can be traced in the life of Philip. He became a, a man that was greatly used of God. And there are characteristics of his life that I think should be imitated in the church today. Things about Philip that I'd like to be. Things about Philip that you ought to be. There's things about Philip I'd like to see my children, my grandchildren attain to. Can you say amen? Well, what are those things? Well, now I'm just going to talk about three things. First of all, I want you to get this. Philip will find out had a broad-minded vision, or he was an open-minded person. And the reason I say that was, when you go on into Acts chapter 5, Philip uh, goes down into a city of Samaria. And the Scripture says he preaches Christ to them. And the people with one accord give heed unto the things which Philip speaks, hearing what he says, but also seeing the miracles which he did. The Bible said that unclean spirits cried with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed, and as many that were taken with palsies and were lame, it said they were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But the thing I want you to notice is this, and, and you know the story of Simon the sorcerer who raises up. Peter and John come down, lay hands on people, they get the Holy Ghost, and Simon tries to buy the gift. But I want you to notice what happens uh, in this story concerning the life of Philip. First of all, if we're not careful, we'll overlook this. I want you to notice where Philip went for revival. He went down to a city of Samaria. You know this was part of the northern division of the kingdom. They were thought by the Jews to be the corrupted Israelites. They were thought to be less than genetically poor, uh, pure. There was not many Jews that would even walk through Samaria. They would go around it. There was prejudice. Can you say amen in that day? But Philip, all of a sudden, he's got this broad-minded, open-minded vision. And he realizes that it's time for him to break the mold and step outside of his comfort zone. Can you say amen? And uh, 
Philip preaching in Samaria was a breach of the division between the Jews and the others. And I thought about the woman at the well. Remember what she said to Jesus when Jesus said, give me the drink. She said, how is it that you being a Jew ask me a Samaritan for water? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Can I tell you something, folks? If God's going to use you, you'll have to move past the ethnic divisions. You'll have to move past the social and economic divisions. You'll have to be willing to go wherever God says go and do whatever God says do. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you would. Now, he was ready to carry the power of God to the rejects, to the outcasts. Can you say amen? I, I thought like this. He remembered what Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8 when Jesus said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then he said, And you'll be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem. In other words, here among the Jews that adhered to the law of Moses and, and uh, uh, this here in, the, in, in this place of, uh, where they honor the prophetic writings and worship the one and only true God and keep the temple service and all of that. You, you can be a witness here, but also, he said uh, in Acts 1 and 8, and in all Judea and then in Samaria, the Samaritans considered by the Jews to be a mongrel people to be a half-breed people, if you would, to be somebody that was less than them. But old Philip said, I'll tell you what, I don't care what color they are. I don't care which side of town they live on. I don't care how poor they are. I don't care how deep into paganism they go. They may be tattooed, pierced, have gauges in their ears. They might be drug users or drug pushers. But if I can get to them with the gospel of Jesus, I've got something in me that's more powerful than any bondage they have. Woo, give him praise if you would. Go to the Jews. Can I kind of get this where we live? Go to your family. Go to the people you care about. Go to the people that are pretty nice, you know, well, look good. and You know, some people we wouldn't be embarrassed to have in the church. Huh? Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll we'll get embarrassed when sinners come to church. Well, what about that? I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I was in a service one one time right after I'd got saved. Let me tell you something about me. I haven't always been a nice guy. I used to be a sinner. I used to go in bars. I used to do other things that I won't talk about because I've chose to forget about them. And I'll never forget one time I was in another county and I walked into a church one night and there was a woman in that church that I knew used to hang in the bars in Richmond and had the worst reputation of anybody about it in town. And I walked into church that night and I hadn't been saved long and I'll never forget it. I won't call her name. Oh, some of you, some of you all that's my age probably would recognize it. 
But I walked in church, and there she sat in the church. And I, you know what? The, uh, you know, I was just young and dumb in the Lord. And I thought, well, what's she doing here? You know, what, what, why in the world would she be here? And, uh, man, when the music got started, I found out. Because <laughs> they started to worship. And it wasn't long that she was singing the loudest and clapping her hands the hardest. And she got to shout, under the power of God. And I realized what had took place. Somebody had a spirit like Philip and went to where she was. Can you say amen? And she got saved. So he had this, this attitude. This broad-minded vision. I'll preach to the Jews, my family, the normal people. I'll even go to them Samaritans. You know, they've got a little Israeli history. They've got a little heritage among us. You know, they probably had some people back in the Bible days that were good people. He said, I don't care to reach out to them. But then in Acts 1 and 8, it said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and that's really getting out there. That includes the Gentiles, can you say amen? Gentiles were heathens to the, to the Jews. Gentiles were dogs to the Jews, can you say amen? Gentiles were aliens. We were like, you know what an alien is? What do you think of when you think of an alien? You think of some little green guy with little antennas coming out of his head, some freak of nature. That's what we were to the Jews. Can you say amen? I wish somebody would get what I'm saying to you. Philip had a vision. I'm going to take what this God did for me. And I'm going, to, I'm going to break out of the comfort zone. I'm going to break out of the box. I'm going to break out of the normal barriers. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching about Philip, a man that, that was chosen to be a, a, a table server and ended up being an evangelist that got a whole city saved. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? That went somewhere where maybe some of the apostles wouldn't go, but he went, my God, with the anointing and preached this gospel and got people saved. Hallelujah. Got people saved. Well... You know, Jesus even, I found this and thought it interesting in Matthew 10 and 5. When Jesus sent forth the 12, he commanded them and said, Go not in the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Don't even enter. Now, why would Jesus say that? And unless you think Jesus was prejudiced, let me tell you that he himself went to Samaria later set his face like a flint that he would go. But you know what I think? I think Jesus knew that the 12 weren't ready for this type of ministry. Can I tell you something about Philip? Philip went after Pentecost. <laughs> Woo! You missed a good chance to shout right there. He went after Pentecost. Jesus sent the 12 before Pentecost. Something had happened in Philip's life that had filled him with such a power and such an unction that he was willing to walk out of Jerusalem, walk through Judea, walk out into Samaria, go to the heathen, find those, those, those down and outers, those that nobody wanted to be a part of, those that they were ashamed of. He said, I'll carry this gospel to them. To them. Glory. I remember years ago, I was preaching and working at a factory and working third shift. And a friend of mine was riding back and forth to work with me. 
And I picked him up in town and I stopped in Richmond and got some gas in the cars down on 2nd Street at the Minute Mart. I'll never forget it. And I wheeled in there to get gas in the car, Donnie, and I pumped my gas. And back those days, you could pump gas after dark and pay for it later. You could go inside and pay for it. You can't, I mean, those can't do that now. But I pulled up and pumped gas. And I went in to pay for the gas. And two old boys, they was rough lookers. I mean, they had, they had prison tattoos. and they, I mean, they was bad lookers, man. They were sitting there on the, on the sidewalk. One of them said, hey, man. I said, yeah. He said, hey, we need to ride out in the country. I thought, I bet you do. And uh, he said, we're supposed to help a man work in tobacco down here tomorrow. And he said, it's down this road out here. Didn't even know the name of Red House Road. And I thought, why are you going in the middle of the night? And uh, he said, we want to ride with you. So I said, I'm going to pay for my gas. And I walked in. And I already had my speech prepared. Sorry, fellas. I'm going to Lexington. You can't ride with me. You know, I'm going the opposite way. And uh, about the time I walked back out the door, I heard the Holy Ghost say, give him a ride. I said, wait a minute, God. Look at these guys. And look at me. Look at the guy I got in the car with me. He ain't going to be no help. So I come out and I said, fellas, I'd love to give you a ride, but I'm going to Lexington. One of them said, oh, well, we'll just go to Lexington. <laughs> so I said, come on. We go, you know, I open the door to get in. I raise the seat up. They both slide in the back. And my buddy, I won't call his name. I don't want to embarrass him. He's sitting there and his eyes are as big as saucers. He looks at them and then he looks at me. And then he looks back at them and he looks at me. And I just looked at him and I said, it's okay. That wasn't very convincing. So we start to ride. We're driving along. I hadn't said nothing, hardly much, just a little thing or two to my, to my friend that, we're, that normally rode with me. And finally one of those guys leans up on the back of the seat right near my ear and says, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, Phew, this guy might be saved. I said, yes, I am. He said, well, we just got out of prison. And I thought my buddy was going to have a cardiac arrest. He just kind of slumped down in the seat. Scared him. I said, really? So I asked the most obvious question. What were you in for? <laughs> God is my witness. He says, armed robbery. <laughs> Times like this, you know if you were called in sin or just got up and went. Can you say amen? And I said, is that right? And he said, can I ask you something? I said, you sure can. He said, I read that Bible through four times while I was in prison. I said, you did? He said, yeah. And I said, hallelujah. We're on the same page now. And he said, I could handle most of it pretty good. Till I got over there to that last book, the book of Revelation. And he said, to be honest with you, preacher, he said, it scared the out of me. I said, good. And so for 40 minutes, 
I got to share the gospel, the saving grace of God, the delivering power of the Holy Ghost. I'd preach a while, and then I'd speak in tongues a while. I'd shout a while, and then I'd preach a while. And the one sitting in the back seat, he sat back and he'd holler, whoop. Hallelujah. He he was feeling something. And the other one just sat there and his eyes were big. My buddy over there was still as white as Tom's shirt. And he was sitting over about to pass out. And I'm just telling them all about God. And the next thing I know, we've got off the interstate at 115 and we went in Newtown Pike and cut across Dandina Boulevard and we're on Georgetown Street getting ready to go down Mercer Road. I said, boys, this is where I've got to let you off. And I, I wheeled into a service station and the one that said that he told me they'd been in prison. He laid his hand on my shoulder and said, listen to me. Man of God, I was saved at a young age. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost and I was called to preach, but I rebelled against God and I ran and I got on drugs and I robbed to support my habit and he said, I'm trying to find my way back to Jesus. I said, bless God, you're in the right place. Hallelujah. Woo! You'll have to get out of the box. You'll have to go into the projects. You'll have to hit the trailer parks. You'll have to knock on doors. You'll have to hug necks. You'll have to wipe dirty noses. You'll have to tell them there's a God that saves. Hallelujah. I love it when Orville Heisel tells people about me. I was with him the other day and he introduced me to a preacher. He said, preacher, this is my pastor. Said it like he's kind of proud. Preacher said, is that right? Kind of skeptical. Orville said, yeah. Said I was in that Madison County Jail behind bars. And he said, a little skinny, dark-headed fella with a King James Bible and a black flat-top guitar come up the steps and stood outside the cell block and started to sing an old song, Lead Me to the Rock That's Higher Than I, and started to preach out of that Bible. And he said there was 27 of us in there. And he said six of us went to the bars and made a commitment to Christ that night. And he said, that's my pastor, hallelujah. Is you hearing what I'm telling you? I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you when I got a hold of this God, he moved me outside of my comfort zone. He took me places. I said, I'd never go, hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. So Philip said, I'll go to Samaria. I'll preach to the heathen. They're everywhere. I walked into Circle K up here one day. There stood a little girl. She is a grown woman. She is a little girl to me. Dressed up in black, had a dog collar with spikes on it around her neck. She had rings through her eyebrows, rings through her nose, and a ring through her lip, and had a chain run through all of them. She is marked up and tattooed. Her fingernails was black, her eyelids were black, her hair was dyed as black as crow's feathers. 
She stood there, looked like she was mad at the world with a glare on her face. And I looked at that child, and my heart melted. I said, That's some mama's baby. Are you hearing me? That's some daddy's little girl that used to bounce maybe on his knee, or, or who knows what some daddy did to her in the darkness of night that caused her to walk away from, from civilization to live in such a fashion. And she glared at me, and I looked at her and said, How are you today, honey? Her eyes, she kind of looked different. And I said, The Lord bless you today. And uh, she stood there and stared at me. I bought what I was buying, turned to walk out. I said, I just, and I didn't make no big singing about it. I said, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And she just dropped her head and looked the other way. I may never see her again, but if I do, I'll tell her the same thing. My God, we've got to be willing to go. Hallelujah. I was in that county jail one night preaching. Had a move of God up on the floor with the felons. Come down to the lobby of the old jail. There's a lady preacher come down. And she said, Brother Owen, how did it go up there tonight? I said, it was wonderful. I said, God showed up. I said, I felt the Lord so good up there tonight. I said, I preached them people and they was crying. I said, they prayed with me. I said it again. I said, you could feel the Lord in that jail. I'll never forget it. There's a denominational preacher standing there that had come to visit somebody over in the little room individually. He walked up to me and said, come here, son. I was just a young preacher. He said, let me tell you something. I said, what's that, sir? He said, I'm a minister. And he told me how many years I've been ministering. He said, I heard you say you felt God up there. I heard you say the Lord showed up up there. He said, you listen to me, son. He said, you can't feel the Lord. He said, you can't feel this. He said, this is all by faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, so don't let your emotions get away with you and tell them people what they're feeling is the Lord. I said, oh, let me tell you something, mister. I don't know who you are, where you got, what you got. But I said, when you wait, in up there. You better have something. God, you better have something they can feel. Yeah, God, they've tried everything else. They've been told everything else. Woo! Philip. He was a man got out of the box. Not only that, let me hurry, he was a man. Honey, if I scared you, I'm sorry. <laughs> My dad had a first cousin who was married to a Baptist preacher. He's a, a wonderful man. I love him dearly. He told me, he said, I listened to you on the radio. I said, did you? He said, I liked it. I said, good. He said, I'd come down there. But I'd be afraid you'd people run over me. I'm a little mean. And I said, if you don't get out of the way, they will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Broad-minded vision. A visionary. A man that could see beyond his comfort zone. Not only that, can I say this? He was led of the Spirit. I'm trying to hurry. He was led of the Spirit. The Bible said in Romans 8, as many as are led... By the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So he was led by the Spirit. The Scripture said in Acts chapter 8 verse 26, 
After this revival is over, the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and says, Arise and go toward the south under the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is a desert. Now hold on, God. I'm having revival. The whole town's got saved. Peter and John's here. They're all getting the Holy Ghost. People are getting healed. We're having the greatest revival the Samaritans have ever saw. And you're telling me, walk away from this revival and go to a desert? Hmm. You know, people that God uses think different. I heard about a guy pastoring a little church, struggling, 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 handful of people, going hungry. One day the call came from the headquarters. Said we've got an opening in one of our bigger churches. Nice parsonage. Good payday. Everything you need. We want you to come and try out for the church. We want you to go take the church. And he went and told his wife. And his wife got excited. And then she said, wait a minute, honey. He said, we better pray. No, it's the will of God. He said, I'll tell you what. You go pack, I'll go pray. Sometimes what looks good ain't good. Sometimes what looks like a letdown is a step up. <laughs> Did you hear me? Sometimes what looks like you're about to go down is a step up in the glory. Hallelujah. So the Bible said go down to the desert. Verse 27, he rose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all of her treasure had come to Jerusalem for the worship. Now, he was an Ethiopian eunuch. He had been a Jew. He'd been captured and taken off into that land of bondage. He, he'd been rendered unfertile. He could never have children. He could never father. He's a servant to the queen. He's a treasurer. He's a powerful man. He's a man of influence. Are you hearing me? I found out later that it was because of this man that the gospel went into Ethiopia. Oh, hallelujah. So, Philip, leave your revival and go down to the desert. He finds this man. Scripture said he was coming back. This, this eunuch was. He's riding in his chariot. He's reading Isaiah the prophet. The spirit again says to Philip, go near, join yourself to this chariot. Philip runs. I wonder what that old Ethiopian thought to look up and see this man of God running through the desert. Oh, you Christians are nuts. You better believe it. Hallelujah. But we're screwed on the right bolt. Hallelujah. He comes running up to the chariot and uh, heard him read Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, well, how can I accept some men should guide me? And he invites Philip, come on up in the chariot with me. And he gets up there. The place where he's reading the scriptures, he was led to the sheep. Isaiah 53 is a slaughter. And like a lamb done before the shear, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment's taken away. Who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch answered Philip. Asked Philip and said, I pray thee, who's he talking about? The prophet. Is he talking about himself or some other man? So Philip opens his mouth, takes the same scripture, and preaches Jesus to him. And the Bible says, they went their way, there's a whole water. Wow. Somebody shout, wow. Remember, we're in a desert. So God just comes down and scoops up a hole of water and takes his water bottle. <laughs> Hallelujah. He does something. God makes a hole of water in the desert. Hallelujah. And uh, the scripture said uh, uh, 
What does hinder me to be baptized? Can I get baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's, it's amazing what that confession will do to people's lives. Oh, they need somebody to climb up in their chariot. Their chariot may be a crack house. Their chariot may be a a pimped out SUV with dark tinted windows and 25, 30 inch wheels on it. Their chariot may be some miserable little box on the street or one of those places over there in that trailer park on the other end of town. Their existence is what it's talking about. You've got to get out of your comfort zone, be led of the Spirit, and he gets in the chariot with him. And he says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and commanded the chariot to stop. They went down both in the water, both Philip and the eunuch. He baptized him. When they were coming up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And the, and the eunuch, he just went on down the road rejoicing, shouting the victory. Can you say amen? And Philip, what happened to Philip? He was found in another Gentile city. A place called Azotus and passing through. He preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now, let me, let me help you here. Let me finish real quickly. Not only did Philip step outside the comfort zone, not only was he led by the Spirit, but Philip had a godly household. He took care of business at home. It's quiet when you preach like that, doesn't it? They didn't watch X-rated movies at Philip's house. They didn't have wine coolers in the refrigerator at Philip's house. They didn't smoke a little pot, drink a little liquor. They didn't well, I won't go too much farther with that. They, they just, they, he just had a godly household, can you say, man? Am I preaching all right? And the Scripture says in Acts 21, Paul goes to Caesarea. And the Scripture said the next day, this is some years later, Luke's writing, he said, We that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. Watch this. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. Now this is the same Philip because he goes on and says he was one of the seven. The original seven that I read to you about first. He's one of the seven. Somebody say amen. And it says, we abode with him. And the same man had four daughters which preached. Now it says prophesied. But the commentaries say, this is not the word used for prophesy that normally you use to speak of advanced events in the future. But this is a word that, that represents speaking forth the word of the Lord under the anointing, or can I say it, preaching. All the ladies said, hallelujah. You see, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and quotes Joel chapter 2. Joel 2, 28 and 29. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he says, And it shall come to pass, in the last day saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your 
daughters shall prophesy. It's the same word, preach. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out of those days, uh, in those days of my spirit. And they will prophesy. And Finus Dake said this. He said, in Acts 21 and 8, it's clear that Philip's daughters were prophetesses. That, that is, they were evangelists like their father. That is in perfect accord with Joel 2.28 and 2.29, which was fulfilled in the early church in Acts 2.16. And with Acts 2.17 and 18, which will be fulfilled in the last days, God has said, I'll pour my spirit out on sons and daughters. He's looking for somebody tonight. Who's willing to have a broad-minded vision and step out of the box and be led of the Spirit and live such a godly way at home that even their children will grow up irrespective of the restraints of society that says your daughters can't preach. When they get in the will of God and get full of the Holy Ghost, they can. God told me one day, he said, now listen, preacher. He said, I'm going to correct you. I said, you are? He said, yeah. He said, I don't believe in women preachers. I said, well, I don't either. He said, I ain't what you said. I said, just do what I said. I said, let me, let me correct you, enlighten you here. I said, I don't believe in women preachers. I don't believe in men preachers. I believe in Holy Ghost anointed preachers. Whether it's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, black nor white. Can I get a witness in the house? They're all born again of the Spirit of God and called of God and anointed. And this man, in the end of his life, was able to leave a legacy of ministry. Can you say amen? You see, God is searching for men and women today who become like Philip. People who are ready to move past the prejudices of the past, ready to look beyond the ethnic, social, and gender barriers to determine God's will, ready to be led of the Spirit into the mission field before them, committed to winning their own families first as well as the world. As, I, as they get ready to sing, I'm going to close with this one scripture. Paul writes to young Timothy. Paul's in prison. He's about to be killed for his ministry. He's about ready to be offered. He says, I'm, my time's up. My departure's at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. There's a crown of life weighed up for me, not for me only, but for all those who love His appearing. But you know what he said before he said that? People never really quote this too much. But here's what he said before that. He writes to Timothy and he says, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions 2 Timothy 4 and 5. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. What? Timothy. I've, I've studied this and preached it for years, but I went back today, Brother Don, and I, and I looked at it again and I thought, Timothy stayed behind to be a pastor. He was a pastor. He had a flock. He had a church. He probably had everything, you know, something like what we got. 
a local congregation. He, he prayed for the sick. He visited. He preached their families' funerals. He did the weddings for their children. But Paul's getting ready to die. And he writes to him and he says, I want you to be careful. I want you to watch your life. Make foolproof of your ministry. And he says, I want you to do the work of an evangelist. Why would you tell a pastor that? I know why he did. He was saying, Timothy, can I, can I cheat a little bit? He was saying, Owen, don't get too comfortable just watching out for that flock. Don't, you know, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, now, pastor, he was coming to church here. He's gone now. He moved on. I don't mean up. I mean, he got in his car and moved on. Hallelujah. And he said, I want to tell you something. I said, well, what's that? He said, you need to quit fussing at people. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you fuss at them because they don't come to church on Sunday night. He said, you fuss at them because they don't come on Wednesday night. He said, forget that. He said, you got a big Sunday morning crowd. And he said, those guys are coming in, they're paying their tithes and they're paying the bills. He said, leave it alone. That's exactly what Paul was telling Timothy. Be careful. Don't, don't get caught up into that. Just, I got the crowd, got the money, I'm all good. You see, I want more than your tithes. Aren't you glad of that? I'm not just here preaching so you put money in the pan. It's nice when they do. It kind of takes the pressure off me. But I'm here to help you grow. I'm here, to help, I'm here to disciple you. I'm here to make you a soul winner. I want you to stand before God one day and have fruit. Fruit of souls. I want you to be able to stand before God one day and say, God, look at these young people we brought in. Now, you won't have to say that. He'll say, look at the young people you brought in. Been faithful. So Paul says, Timothy, he says, look, son, careful watch out make full proof of your ministry take care of your ministry but Timothy above all else do the work of the evangelist what's that mean get outside the comfort zone go out there to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in tell them I'm coming back and they've got to get in or they, they've got to get right or they're going to get left they got to get saved or they're going to go to hell imagine that too many preachers have been satisfied with working toward a retirement date somebody said what are you going to do when you retire I said preach I'm going to preach till I die as long as I got sense enough to do it hallelujah hallelujah trying to think of the old preacher's name the guy got saved he used to be a boxer he was a professional fighter and he got saved and they said every time he'd get to preaching he'd dance around all over the platform boxing with the devil preaching and they said he walked to the pulpit one night and he was an old man and he, he still would dance all over the platform and finally he walked to the pulpit one night and took his text and said church this is the final round and he started preaching. Preached 
boxed all over that platform. When he got done, he went and sat down in the chair and died and went to be with Jesus. I don't want to end up in a nursing home with somebody having to do stuff that I'll do myself. I want to preach till God gets done with me and then die. Hallelujah. See, that's what Paul was saying. Do the work of the evangelist. We got a county going to hell. God forbid that I should ever be satisfied just to keep bringing money in to pay the bills. I want to win somebody. How about you? How many want to win somebody? How many like to stand before Jesus and say, Look, they're here. I invited them. They're here. Stand with me. Hallelujah. hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.